Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show. Guys, I've got two beautiful ladies here with me today, and we're going to be bringing awareness to a subject that needs to be heard. Um, my guest co-host is a friend of mine, Kathy Kasu, from KND Unique Entertainment. Um, Kathy, say hello to everyone. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Hi, Jared. It's great to be back on your show. It's awesome, Kath. You know, I'm going to have you do the honors. Why don't you introduce our special guest today? Okay. This is a friend of mine, Elaine, known as English Elaine. Elaine, tell the people why you're here. Hey, everyone. Thanks, Kathy, and thanks, Jerry. Hi, Kath. Hi, Elaine. As you can tell from my accent, I am English, uh, lived in America since 1998. And I'm here because I am a two-time suicide survivor who is on a mission to end the stigma of mental illness and a mental health crusader to change the conversation to brain health. Wow. So, Elaine, tell everyone, first of all, your full name. My full name is Elaine Sefton. E-P-H-T-O-N. Okay, now, uh, before we even get started, tell everyone anything, a website, your whatever it is that, if they want to contact you, let's not forget to do that. We'll do that now. Okay, great, yeah. The website for the nonprofit that I have, uh, that I formed this year, is www.rest, R-E-S-T, and A-N-D, Renew. R-E-N-E-W, foundation.org. So that's restandrenewfoundation.org. And also um, therealenglishelaine.com. So I love your accent. I've been to England. I loved it. Um, I want to ask you a vital question, and then I'm going to give you the mic, and then Kathy will have a couple questions for you as well. Um, I'm assuming you're an open book here today. Absolutely. Okay. I am very real. Okay. What caused you to want to try and commit suicide twice? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> a lot of different triggers. I mean, coming, my history is, you know, coming from a, um, a low-income working-class family in the UK with an alcoholic father who basically beat my mother, beat me. I was the eldest of five. So I really wanted to be sure that I made something of myself in life, which meant that I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform well. And so I would continually say yes to things that I didn't know how to do. And I would try and figure it out. I didn't want to tell people I didn't know what to do. And so I was wearing that mask of, you know, I'm going to get this done and nobody's going to know that I can't do something. Um, even though all the time on the inside I was feeling not good enough, not smart enough. Um, and so along with all that came control because I had to have things in control. And then in 2014, which was my first attempt, um, I basically, I say I tried to play God. I like had this plan in my head that this is how my life was going to be. It didn't turn out that way. So, um, Wow, I could go through a whole series of events that led up to my first suicide attempt. And then the second suicide attempt was on September 24th, 2020. 
And again, I would say that was down to me not feeling in control. And I felt like the only way out was to kill myself. And if anybody's out there thinking, you know, the same, I know what it's like to be in that deepest, darkest pit where you feel like the only way out is to kill yourself. And I know that if you're thinking that, you really don't want to die. You don't want to leave this world. It's just that you don't know how to live anymore. And so you think that's the only option. And I'm here to tell you it's not the only option. But I know what it's like to feel like it is and you feel like in such the worst place that people will stick you and they will say it's okay and, you know, pull up your good stuff. Because the thing for me, Jerry and Kathy, is, you know, mental illness is still a big taboo. Even though a lot of people have come out and, you know, all the stars are coming out and it's kind of like a badge of honor almost now. Um, you know, the everyday working class, everyday blue-collar worker, CEO, CFO, we still all struggle and every single person has a bad day. And so it's how do we deal with that? And what I've learned is that the brain is the only organ in our body that we don't even talk about these days. So let's start talking about having brain health and having a sick brain. Well, you know, but, uh, go I'm ahead, Kath. Go ahead, Kath. No, I you go. an important question that goes through everybody's mind, and I'm sure almost everybody knows someone or of someone who does know someone that's committed suicide. And the first question that always comes to their mind is, well, how could they? Didn't they think about their wife, their child, mm -hmm. or what everybody else was going to go through because they're doing this? Yeah, I've heard that a lot, and the answer is absolutely not. We don't think about All you think about at that time is you. I had the same questions from my husband and daughter. Well, what about us? And I'm like, honestly... I love you, I, you are the world to me, but where your mind is and your brain is at that time is you don't even think about anybody else. It's mm. all about you, which may sound selfish, and it really is, because you feel like it's all about you, and you don't understand the impact that's going to have on your family, like we just see happens when people, unfortunately, do take their lives. And I do want to take an opportunity because Jerry and Kathy, I heard both of you talk about people committing suicide. And part of um, my platform is to educate people. And if people don't commit suicide, they end their life. They take their own life. We don't talk about when people die by cancer or any other illness. We don't say they committed something. And, you know, I would say that some people do commit cancer because they're being given um, advice from a doctor that's not taken and their lifestyle causes them to die. But that's acceptable. And yet we still talk about people committing suicide and we need to remove that stigma. Wow. I have to comment. What you just okay. said was incredible. Because, okay. oh, oh my goodness. All right. You just hit a, a nerve for me. I'm a nutritional health coach. And I cured myself many years ago, over 25 years ago, of two cancers, breast and colon. I was very mm -hmm. sick and I cured myself naturally. And mm -hmm. I'm also a recovery coach and, and you know I wrote my book on addiction. Um, mm -hmm. 
you are absolutely right. I never thought of it that way. You know, I never judged anyone who did commit suicide or took their own life because I always said they're not in the right frame of mind. So we can't blame them. But mm-hmm. what you just said is unbelievable because I've said so many times, if you care about your life, your child, your family, let's get healthy here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we, 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 like, think about this, Jerry. Think about how much time, effort, healthcare is devoted to research, is devoted to, like, medicine. For many of the diseases that can actually, I can't, I can't say be cured, but can be minimized through healthy living. It reminds me of somebody who has been diagnosed with diabetes and the doctor gives them the magic diabetes pill that they now have to take for the rest of their life. And honestly, this is a very broad statement, so please don't like send hate mail if you're on diabetes medication. But I do know of people who are on diabetes medication and so they just live the life that they want to live. They go to the cheesecake factory, they eat half sugar and And we know that medication is just one part of the answer. It's whole person health. Right. And coming from a Christian background as well, I want to just say a word to the faith community. So in my first suicide attempt, I had people tell me, you need to pray more. You need to have more faith. They would take me out to coffee. They would open their Bibles. They would tell me I don't need to go and see a psychiatrist. And yet, Jerry, and yet, Kathy, they're wearing glasses because they don't have 20-20 vision without them. They go and see an optician. They are on diabetes medication. They are on blood pressure medication because they believe those professionals. So why is it that we treat the mental health professionals differently? Why do we, like Elaine Sefton, general public, think that we know more than the doctor? Wow, Kathy, you say something now because she's blowing my mind. I think the word committed came into effect because people felt it was something that you did to yourself, something that didn't have to happen, which, like you say, a person that doesn't take care of themselves, that has diabetes, and just Mm -hmm. goes on a sugar binge, and people don't look at it that way, and suicide is such an abrupt thing. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't see signs. You can live Mm -hmm. with someone and be totally blown away because you'll say, but they were so happy and everything was going great in their life. Why did they do that? We always look at it as something you did to yourself that didn't have to happen. We don't think Mm -hmm. about the sickness and the problems that are involved and how the disease basically just grows inside your mind. Wow. Exactly. And I think to add to that as well, again, uh, Kathy and Gary, it's down to awareness and education, right? So people, you know, you go for your annual checkups and you get your blood work done and that's where you might spot, you know, problems like diabetes and cancer, etc. There are, I, I do teach a training on mental health first aid, and it does help people see the, spot the signs and symptoms 
So if you actually knew me when I was in my depressed episodes, you would know that I was not right. So even though if you asked me and said, hey, Lee, how's it going? And I'm like, I'm fine. And you said to me, you you don't look fine. I'd be like, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but I know that you've noticed. And what you will notice is it's like the person who like always looks, they've got the makeup on, they're well-dressed, and they start to, start to like not wear the makeup. You see them losing a bit of weight. They're not taking care of themselves. They are the sign. And I do know that there are people who you really didn't know. Like, you really 100%, you're like, oh, my goodness, that was, like, I can't believe that happened. I would say that's a very small percentage compared to others like myself where there were lots of signs and symptoms that people didn't pick up on. Wow. So I disagree on that point because I've heard family members that were close to people mm -hmm. that would say, I never noticed, or a child of yours and say, I never noticed. They never had a problem. They were always happy, and there yeah. were signs. But I think it's also, and I hate to say this as an RN, medical person, mm -hmm. it's the pharmaceutical company's fault. And it's the doctors because people go in and they say, I'm depressed. What do they do? They yes. give them a pill. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. pill doesn't work. Well, let's give you another pill that works with that pill. Right. And, and that's, that's more sorry. depression. It does. So I have to like, oh, my goodness, I want to get on the soapbox and just like shout out to the world. And that's why. I want to change the conversation to brain health. And so I am a trained, licensed and certified brain health coaching trainer. I did that training just this year because Dr. Eamon, who is a double board certified psychiatrist, when he went into psychiatry, he asked the question, why is it that for a psychiatrist, we are the only doctor does not look at the organ that is sick. So wow. when you're sick, as psychiatry, you've got a sick brain. But wow. if you are a heart, you know, a cardiologist, you go and like do all your work on heart. Wow. The brain, like people, the brain is the only organ that I really believe we don't know enough about. Neuroscience and all that, we're learning a lot more about it. It's the only organ that you cannot transplant and stay like you can transplant every well you can't transplant your spleen but you can live without it it's the only organ that you can't take out of your body and stay alive one of the questions you ask when somebody is dead and you'll know this Kathy, as an rn is like are they brain dead if somebody's brain dead it basically means like they really can't live anymore but if somebody's heart stops beating you can try and get that heart to start beating again you can take that heart out and replace it you can't do that with your brain. And that's why it's super, super important that we educate people on the importance of the brain and how to keep it healthy. Because your brain and your gut, as you'll know, Jerry, from being a nutrition um, coach, is that your brain and your gut is connected. And we have to take care of, like, your gut is like your second brain. And people don't know that, like, most of the serotonin is in the gut and it's not in the brain. And I wonder how many... Just regular old doctors, sorry, regular old doctors out there, 
like how must they really work and research in this area because it is about the whole body system and not just about oh you're depressed let's take a pill yeah no i yeah well i want to i want to interject and say something to everyone listening so i do know a lot about the brain and the and the body and health and i'm going to share something that's vital with this interview here there are only two sources that can actually feed the brain. One of them is healthy and one of them is incredibly unhealthy. The unhealthy one is sugar. Your body thinks you're putting drugs into your body. It cannot decipher the difference between her- like heroin and, and sugar. It doesn't know the difference. So that's why 100% of addicts are all addicted to sugar. Sugar is the number one horrendous issue that kills the brain. The good thing, there's only two things that fuel it. And the good thing is healthy fats. You need a ton of it, a ton of it. I eat an avocado every single day, real whole, good organic olive oil. I pour it on my food, you know, sea salt, pink Himalayan sea salt. I pour it on my food. I haven't been on a medication in 30 years, guys. I'm 61. So two things only fuel the brain. Choose wisely, okay? Fuel it properly. So what you're saying, Elaine, is incredible. You know, I I mean, I'm really blown away by everything you've just said. I've never heard it put that way ever. And you are 100% right. The stigma has to change. Absolutely. And it's the only way it can change. Jerry and Kathy is, you know, we all have to do our part, right? We all have to, like, say, okay, what is it in this, like, overall system? Because people will say to me, well, the mental health system's broken, the healthcare system's broken. I'm like, I know. The family system's broken. Everything's broken. So we can all sit here and say, well, okay, somebody's going to do something about it. Well, I actually want to be that somebody because I call myself an expert with experience. I worked in corporate America for 30 years. I was like in the number one consulting firm in the world. I know what it's like to be under all that pressure. And I stepped out of that job, one, because of God. He told me what my passion and purpose is. And two, because... I am so tired of seeing the statistics around suicide. I'm so tired. Every time I hear somebody's taking their own life, my good friend, her son, killed himself. He was only 19. He killed himself two weeks ago and his girlfriend. I know what it's like to be in that place where you think that's the only option. I also know, you know that if somebody is having bad thoughts or sad thoughts, that's normal. We all do. I can't, I would challenge anybody to tell me they've never had a bad day. It's when that, that thought so, like, affects your working life, affects you getting out of bed, affects you getting a shower. If it does that for more than two weeks, that's the time to go and speak to a doctor or a friend or a trusted adult. And if you catch it soon enough, you, like, Who's to say you need medication? I mean, you might actually say, okay, oh, wow, yeah, I just need to, like, 
depending on who you're speaking to, oh, wow, I need to get more social, I need to drink more water, I need to exercise. If you touch it soon enough, but what the statistics tell us is that somebody who has a mental issue and from the onset of diagnosis, it can take them 11 years to get help. So in 2017, when we had Hurricane Irma in Florida, I slipped and broke my arm. I did not say to my husband, oh my goodness, can you pray over my arm? I did not say to my husband, I need more faith and my arm will be corrected. I did not say to my husband, please don't tell anybody I've got a broken arm. I said to him, take me to the hospital and get me help. Imagine a 15-year-old who has bipolar. They have all the symptoms of bipolar. They don't want to speak to anybody. They go and get, maybe they go and get diagnosed. They wait until they're, what, 11 years later, 27. Can you imagine a 16-year-old going through high school, going through college, all that they're dealing with? And if I leave my broken arm 11 years, I probably need to get my arm rebroken many times. Imagine the time, the cost, the effort to make that broken arm well if I left it. Wow. So imagine if somebody actually goes and gets the help. I know that there is a problem because if you try and get help, and you're a new patient, it's like, oh, you've got to wait six months for an appointment. Well, what do you do in the meantime? You carry on being sad. You carry on trying to live your life under your own power. You might end up in the ER. It's, the system is so broken. Elaine, yes. I have had the privilege of working with you on this. Before mm -hmm. we run out of time, I'd like to now to tell people what you are doing about it and how okay. they can get involved in it. Great. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. Yeah, so on September 24, 2020, which is the anniversary of my second and final suicide attempt in 2020, I am hosting an event. It's going to be um, a live event, and you can access it virtually. It's called Speak Out. And it's all about speaking out on mental illness. It's about educating people. It's about engaging people from the community, sharing their stories of what it's like to live with a condition, what it's like to be a family member. Kathy, your um, wonderful team are putting on a show at the end of the day. Then on Sunday, the 25th, and doing the same format of show, but this time we're focused on youth and youth sharing their stories and, and family and friends of youth. And we have the same education and entertainment at the end of that day. So that's the first inaugural show. All the funds are going, uh, any fund, it's a fundraiser, it's for a um, Rest and Renew, which is my non-profit. My goal is to create two ranches in Lake County, Florida, because when I had my second attempt, I had to go to Orange County because there was nowhere for me. I want to have a ranch for prevention because, as you know, Jerry, as a nutrition coach, it's all about prevention. Yes. So let us not get to the stage where then somebody has to go into the next branch for intervention. So that's what I'm doing. I'm educating in the schools. And also we have our first fundraising gala, which is going to be in May of 2023. Beautiful. So, uh, that'll all be on the website on www.restandrenewfoundation.org. Well, ladies, and what is the purpose of this camp? 
the purpose of the ranch is two purposes. The first ranch will be um, prevention. So every time I speak to somebody about the ranch, they say, Let, give me a bed, I want the first bed. And I used to say, well, you have to be diagnosed with a mental condition in order to get a bed because um, there is a ranch for intervention. It's going to be for whole person healing. So there's going to be equine, there's going to be um, swimming pools, there's going to be gardens, it's going to be whole person healing. And so, and then, so the first ranch prevention 